And welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us here today. And joining us now on the program today, we are talking about wireworms and why we should be concerned and watching for wireworm pressure in our fields. Joining us now with BASF, Hannah Simney is with us. Hannah, great to catch up with you. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Let's dive in and talk about wireworms. And I, I know that recently BASF CHS were in Montana wheat fields looking at different bait ball traps, looking and checking for that wireworm pressure. And I know that now that we're getting into our growing season, planting is done, wireworms are something we definitely need to keep an eye on. Can you just start and give us some thoughts on, on why growers need to be concerned about wireworm pressure? Yeah, absolutely, Jesse. So I think, you know, first and foremost, growers should be thinking about their yield right from the beginning. Um, and wireworms can really destroy the wheat crop if you don't get on top of it. So um, I think using a seed treatment like Taraxa or Taraxa F4 is extremely crucial um, to be sure to protect your wheat fields from wireworms. Well, and thinking about wireworm pressure and obviously protecting it right from the get-go, you mentioned some great products there. I, I have to think weather obviously plays a factor. We've uh, seen different bouts of moisture throughout parts of the northern plains, scattered moisture, a lot of areas getting dry, though, once again. So when it comes to wireworms and getting out and scouting for wireworms, uh, when should growers really be paying attention? Dry conditions, wet conditions, both? What's, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, growers should definitely consider monitoring their soil temperature in the field until it nears or reaches 45 degrees. Um, and then look at about four inches below the, the soil surface um, as your depth to monitor for wireworms. That's really where you're going to find them, especially in dry conditions. Well, Hannah, tell me a little bit as well. I, I think about wireworms. They're, they're not very big, but why are they so devastating in, in our fields? Can you explain that a little bit? Sure, I can. And I think it's really important to remember that wireworm populations expand exponentially, first off and for, foremost. Um, their destruction is immense, reducing a wheat yield by 50% if not controlled. And 50% yield loss on just 20 acres of a 300-acre field could cost a farmer thousands of dollars. And obviously getting out scouting is a major, major part of this. You know, We talk about it quite a bit, whether you're looking at a wheat field or a cornfield or soybean, et cetera, but making sure you get out and get some boots on the ground or maybe even a, a drone or whatever the case may be. I know we have a lot of different options uh, nowadays, but getting out and scouting is just so important, isn't it, Hannah? Yeah, it is important. But also, Jesse, I think another thing that's really important to remember is using bait balls. Um, hmm. And growers can create bait balls by taking nylon pantyhose containing wheat seed and then soaking the bait in water and covering the bait trap with soil to create a mound over the bait without packing the soil. So I think um, also remembering to be sure to track the trap by placing a flag will make it easier to relocate the site. And that's also a great way to scout for wireworms. Pretty easy, simple method there to uh, create bait balls. Hannah, before we run out of time here today and wrap it up, anything else we haven't mentioned just about wireworms and management and, again, some of those great products from BASF that can help with uh, some of that wireworm management? 
Yeah, Jesse, it only takes one wireworm to cause destruction in your field. So I want to make sure that um, you remember that message that it only takes one wireworm to create destruction in your fields and creating those bait balls to keep track of where your wireworms may be is extremely crucial. Um, Traxf4 is the first product on the market that eliminates wireworms and provides long-term disease control as well. And there's no current comp competitors on the market today that can do what Taraxa can do. Well, growers can learn more about Taraxa and other great products from BASF. They can contact their local retailer, their local BASF representative, or go online, BASF.com. And again, thanks to Hannah Simney with BASF for joining us here today. Well, as we take a look at news of agriculture, the Asia-Pacific region is an important market for American red meat exports. Jihei Yang is the new vice president of Asia-Pacific for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. She brings a lot of U.S. MEF experience to the new role. I joined U.S. MEF in 1998, and my first role is pork specialist, and then promoting the pork in Korea market for a couple of years and then I changed my job scope to the food service specialist for another couple of years and then I became the director of Korea two months before the BSE occurs. It was a bumpy ride to navigate through the BSE challenge. It was actually a nightmare, the shutdown of the border on U.S. beef immediately, so it was Christmas nightmare. And the Korean people react toward the food safety issue more radically than any other countries in, in Asia market. And the opposition party leveraged the BSC issue to overturn the uh, regime. Yang talks about the countries she'll work with in her new role. I cover the Korea, Taiwan, China, and ASEAN region, and I see that the growth potential definitely in China market. They're just big market, but need a lot of work to establish the supply chain. Geographically, it's big country, so need to spend more time to establish the supply channel like we have established in Taiwan, Japan, and Korea. And she says there are opportunities to do more business in the Asia-Pacific region. I see the further growth in the developed area, even in the developed area like Japan, Korea, and Taiwan. We can increase the market share further down the road because their per capita consumption will continue to grow in the next 5 to 10 years. Definitely ASEAN and China market the product availability is the key, especially in ASEAN region. We still have an access and a tariff disadvantage. So more product available, we definitely can grow the market share there. Again, that is Jihei Yang of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Well, also, the U.S. Meat Export Federation's mission is to increase the value and profit opportunities for U.S. pork, beef, and lamb. That role is vital, according to Jan Archer, National Pork Board past president and North Carolina pork producer. Right now, pork producers are losing about $30 a head for every pig they sell. And our export market provides about $60 a head for every pig they sell. So imagine where we would be if we didn't have our export markets. I wouldn't be here. I'd be out of business. There will be a lot of people out of business. And Archer says the We Care message gives pork producers a way to talk about what they do on the farm. You can learn more by visiting porkcheckoff.org. 
That's all the time we have for American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.